it'll be interesting to see what happens. But man, like yeah. like that was that was you know, if you were thinking the Suns would fold under a real Laker punch, you were wrong because yeah. they right. they they uh, uh, they definitely do not think that they're an underdog. They play like someone who thinks they can win the series, which makes it a lot more interesting. No, absolutely. I was upset at anyone who thought this was going to be some super short series. Like, I think the Suns are really good. You don't win that many games in the regular season without being a legit team. And they have all the continuity, even with Chris Paul going out, which we'll talk about later. But they have all this continuity. They've built up through the regular season. And it shows. It shows in pressure moments. Their guys have confidence to, to take big shots. Uh, we'll go. I guess we'll cover campaign as well. But just huge shots from those role players. Yeah, like we're like you said, we're going to dive into the actual intricacies of it all. Um, yeah. But the, the the biggest like if you're going to add like a kind of like a story of this game, the the story of this game was that the Suns kind of came with, you know, one of their best punches, so to speak, uh, mm-hmm. in an effort on both ends that included, you know, a huge run at the end of the game. And the Lakers punch was just a little better. And And we're going to dive into all that. Um, welcome everybody to the state of the Lakers post game show. Thank you guys so much for being patient with Raj and I, as we were engaged in travels around the, around the country, Raj came to my home state. I left my home state to go to my family's home state. And, uh, I happened to catch the game one in a podunk Texas sports bar in a town called Graham, which is about two hours outside of Dallas at this ranch that we stopped by on the way out of town. And, Uh, Very fortunate to catch the game. Uh, Very unfortunate to be able to record anything because there was like no cell service out there or anything like that. Um, But I appreciate you guys being patient with us. We're going to try to cover uh, as much as we can from these first two games. Uh, And then depending on how long we go, uh, we'll try to get some of you guys up here uh, to hang out. But I guess I guess my first question for you, Raj, is just where are you standing? How do you feel after that game? Do you feel like the Lakers are in for an absolute fist fight here. Do you think the Lakers figured some stuff out? Do you think this was kind of fluky from Phoenix to be this competitive? Uh, where, what's, where, where are you at mentally right now with, with this series? It's not fluky at all to me. Like it, You win that many games in the regular season, you're a good team. Phoenix is really well coached. They weren't going to go down easy, even with Chris Paul out. A lot of people are trying to pick the Lakers in for I think you picked them in five. Um, I always thought this was a little longer series, six, probably not seven, but at least a six game. I just think they're really good. Uh, Devin Booker's a tough cover. The Lakers definitely figured some things out, but I guess my main takeaway here is, like, we need Anthony Davis to show up to the playoffs. Um, he was not there for game one. Uh, he was definitely here tonight. He was more aggressive. Um, I know there were still points of the game where he could have been a little bit more aggressive, but I thought he played a really good overall, overall game. Um, he got to the foul line a lot, and just his jumper didn't go down. But uh, it was a good game from him. And the Phoenix is just, they're a tough team. Man, they, they don't stop. Um, they have guys off the bench who aren't scared of the moment. Cam Johnson, uh, campaign, um, all those. DeAndre Aiden, I thought, had another really strong game inside, even though the Lakers figured some things out. So, But the Lakers, their job here is to steal one, right? Like, that's what mm-hmm. your job is when you're the road team in the playoffs. Your, your job is to get a split. Everyone would like to get two, but uh, your job really is to just get one, get at least one. And they did that. They stole home court back. And they go back to Staples. Um, I think, as we know, in regular playoffs, the home the home team's role players shoot better. <laughs> and, uh, mm-hmm. I think uh, hopefully we get some of that uh, when we go back. But, uh, yeah, I think uh, that was a pretty solid game. And it's what I expected. I didn't think we were just going to blow them out. 
Yeah. So the, one of the things that I talked about a lot last year, um, gosh, I can't even remember which series it was or which game, but I'm pretty sure I talked about it with you. Um, but essentially the reason why it's so dangerous to trick a game off, you know, to essentially let a game slip away to feel things out or whatever it is that you do, uh, whatever it is that the Lakers did in game one, whatever you want to call that effort, which we'll get into later. Uh, when you do that, and then you talk all the right stuff and you say like, oh, you know, we, you know, we're going to come out and be more aggressive in game two. We're going to make the adjustments. And Anthony Davis is like, that's on me. I'll come back. I'll be better. That's all well and good. But you're never guaranteed to win a basketball game, even when you play your best. And I thought the Lakers put forth a considerably better defensive effort. I thought Anthony Davis was way better uh, than, he, than he was in game one. Um, but here comes campaign with like the game of his life. And all of a sudden you still, you still can't guard Deandre Ayton in any screen and roll action with one of their guards. And Devin Booker goes on a run in the third quarter where he's surgical attacking you in the half court. And so you almost lose and don't get me wrong. It worked out. Um, and this series very well may work out for the Lakers, but that was what was frustrating to me about that game. Uh, game one in particular is it's like, yeah, you're feeling things out. Yeah, it might all work out. But what if campaign makes one more of those shots? He misses a couple of those threes. And LeBron, who is clearly a bit hampered, I'm not concerned about it in the long run, but that's the reality of his situation right now. Um, it's clear that that uh, if, if some of those shots don't go in, they could be heading back to L.A. down 2-0. Um, and so that's one of those things where it was a little frustrating for me hearing, you know, Darius Soriano, our friend from, the Laker film room podcast. He said this, uh, he said this uh, on his post game show the other night, he goes, I'm a little sick and tired of hearing the same usual stuff from the Lakers after dropping a game one. And, uh, and I, and I, I kind of share that sentiment. Um, but that said, it is what it is. It all worked out in this particular game. As far as Anthony Davis in particular, you know, what I was most impressed with, is he made huge, huge plays in that game, even though his off-the-dribble jump-shooting game is still completely broken, including his last one being an absolute air ball, uh, long over the rim, uh, a shot over DeAndre Ayton. So for, you know, it, for him to continue to be physically aggressive on both ends of the floor, he drew some fouls in the paint, being aggressive, trying to drive to the basket, and then Obviously, the two huge threes he made in the second half for him to do all that when his you know mid-range game, which was his bread and butter in last postseason, uh, for him to do all that while his mid-range game basically completely abandoned him, I thought was a pretty impressive game. And at the end of the day, all you need is the win. Who cares about all the details? Yeah, you brought up those late two threes. I think that was huge for him to just keep shooting them. Uh, there were a lot of players. Um, someone in my mentions told me to just tell me that like people were passing up shots. They definitely were. The Lakers shot 30% from three. They went uh, 10 for 33. I thought they got a lot of open looks, right? Like, a lot of them were good. KCP passed up a lot of them. I think he missed all his threes. Um, Kuzma missed his open threes. Just a lot of dudes who usually have been hitting them through the regular season just were not making the threes. Phoenix also only shot 30%. They only took 26 threes, which feels low um, for them. But I thought the Lakers really kind of closed them out. But, yeah, Anthony Davis, man, his, his jumper wasn't going. Um, he was kind of adding to that adding to all the players who weren't shooting at the end of the game. It looks like nobody wanted the ball. Um, 
nobody wanted the ball at the end, uh, and he was one of the dudes passing up shots. Uh, but he hit those two big ones late, and you saw him like delta out a stream. Um, and they have to, he has to keep shooting those. That that mid range little shot there, like it, he does settle sometimes, but it's part of their offense. Like it's part of what makes them so tough. His isolation scoring, especially when they're playing with two bigs, uh, they close with him at the five, which I thought really mm-hmm. freed him up a little bit more. But uh, if they're playing with two bigs, that little that jumper has to be falling at some point, and I think it will. Um, especially off pick and rolls, um, he was missing all of them, but uh, it has to go. That that that's part of his game. Um, so I think it will. Uh, I think some home games will help for him and the whole team. Just get their shooting right. Uh, you usually can't win shooting thirty percent from three. Like you usually just do not win. Um, the Lakers held Phoenix to like ninety four points before that. I don't know what that Devin Booker foul fest was at the end. That was kind of weird. Um, <laughs> but uh, before that, they held him like ninety four points, ninety nine points in the first game. That's really good for this Suns team. That's that's a high-powered offense. Again, there's no Chris Paul, but that's it's still a really good offensive team. And uh, to hold them to that is, is good. So uh, I guess we can kind of keep moving here. Like, what did you, what did you see from like their defense? Like, what what change do you think in that in that first in that in that game before after game one? So, well, first of all, we saw a complete shift away from Montrez Harrell into Marcus All. There was a, there was a bunch of really interesting stuff with the rotation. I don't know if you noticed this, but. In the yeah. first quarter, they stayed with LeBron and sent AD to the bench, and they brought in Marcus All. And then in the third quarter, they took LeBron out early, left AD in the game with Marcus All. Um, but you know, for all the things that Marcus All did to help them on offense, I thought his lack of foot speed uh, actually hurt them a bit in pick and roll. And mm-hmm. you know, as far as the Laker defense goes, they this is the most fascinating part of a of, a, of an NBA playoff series is when when a really elite defense like the Lakers turns it up and brings the effort in a way they did not in game one, and they shut down all of the easy stuff. And yet still the Phoenix Suns managed to generate a bunch of advantages. And it obviously for them, it came through screen and roll with campaign and Chris Paul, a little bit of Devin Booker in the second half, although he wasn't as good as he was in game one. But it was all the same exact thing. It was DeAndre Ayton setting a really solid screen at the point of attack that got whoever it was, whether it was KCP, Caruso, Dennis Schroeder, off the ball handler. So now the ball handler is careening into the paint, and the Lakers are trying to corral him with the big man, but the, the foot speed is too quick with those guards, and they're getting around the big man, and when the help comes, they're spraying it out around for threes. And so what'll be really interesting to see is even though the Lakers stepped up their defensive intensity and there's going to be a lot fewer uh, mistakes when we look at the film, uh, they're going to have to figure something out on how to slow down that pick and roll because they made the Suns made it look easy at a lot of stretches tonight. And Aiton is so good at after setting that screen, diving to the rim and just making himself available. And then when he catches the ball, he keeps it high above his head and he just dumps it into the basket. And, and, and that pairing uh, works extremely well. And so what I'm really, really interested to see what, uh, what Frank Vogel wants to do. My personal opinion is that they need to drop the centers, put AD in that screening action and start switching some of this stuff. Now, the, the problem is, is that then uh, Aiton is doing a really good job of diving to the rim and then uh, 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 posting up. But that's where, you know, the, the overall foot speed of the Lakers by dropping a center and going with another wing player or another guard will make it so that they can rotate and double a little bit better. 
Um, and then we can also talk, uh, actually, I, I, what, what's your opinion on the defense? And then specifically, what did you think about Dennis Schroeder defensively tonight? Yeah, so I thought defensively, like, they really tried to sell out on Aiden. He still had, he still got a lot of good looks in the paint. But I thought they had, like, AD um, and Drummond kind of step up a lot higher, right, on Devin Booker, try mm-hmm. to not let him get that mid-range pull up a little easier. And they had LeBron, who got a bunch of steals early, right, because he was just reading that pass. And I was going to eight, and I think he picked off like two or three. AD got a few picks as well. And just having those dudes as a help defender, and you could just see their their engagement was so different, right? Just to start this game, you could tell their engagement on defense, AD, LeBron, both of them were just ready for that play. And uh, I think the Suns kind of adjusted a little bit. Aiden still got good looks. He had some good passes out to like Mikel Bridges and other dudes to hit threes. But I thought they were really trying to sell out on Aiden and not let Devin Booker kind of get to that mid-range jumper. That's what I thought they did, and I think it kind of worked out. You hold them to like 90-something points, you should be able to win. Um, that's a winnable formula for them, and I think they'll still they'll go to it. They'll live with, uh, like I know you said Mark got beat off the dribble a few times by campaign, I believe it was, right? Campaign was lighting up, Mark. Oh, man, he had some step-back threes that were just like prayers, and I was thinking, man, this, <laughs> might, not be the, this might not be the game. But I think, I think they'll live with like campaign and like even Booker kind of getting to the rim a little bit, right? Instead of like hitting those, those jumpers over them, getting threes. Um, creating shots for threes. I think they'll live kind of with uh, trapping him up top. And then if they switch, they switch and uh, try to give help on Aiden and uh, live with campaign and those dudes uh, hitting layups at the rim. I thought they hit a few crazy layups. Um, DeAndre Aiden also had like a crazy uh, backhanded layup uh, around Andre Drummond. But I think they'll live it looked with like David and Robinson on that point. <laughs> Man, it looked, it looked special. I was like, well, I, I was not expecting that. But uh, yeah, like that. I think they'll live with those shots. And uh, if you can take away the open threes from Mikel Bridges, Cam Johnson, who got who got away a couple on a couple threes to end the third. Uh, but, but if you can take away their three-point shot, you'll live with that and then try to make it as tough as you can on Devin Booker. Um, KCP, Caruso were really chasing him hard, trying to give him back pressure there. He got cooking a little bit in the third. But uh, I, I thought they did a pretty nice job, like, as they could. And Dennis Schroeder, man, what a, what a playoff-level form of game, right? What a huge game to step up. They needed every one of his points. Uh, I don't know what he finished with. Finished like 20-something points, I think. Uh, but it was huge. He was the only really one going for a little while. He kind of kept them afloat up there while the Suns were kind of trying to come back. Uh, his, his his pressure at the rim I thought was huge. He got to the basket, got to the foul line. He had a few threes, um, his mid-range jumper as well. Um, he still got a little bit like uh, score-heavy. Like he wasn't, he wasn't passing as much, but they needed his points. What did you see from him? So offensively, I thought he was fantastic. And for all the reasons you said, like when things get stagnant, because things get stagnant in a couple of different ways for the Lakers. A lot of times when LeBron gets fatigued, he rests while he's on the floor. So he gets like, he just starts throwing swing passes across the top, like basically just begging for somebody else to make a play so that he can rest, you know? Yeah. And, then Anthony, and then Anthony Davis get, will get bullied off his position and won't even look at the rim. Uh, or, or if he sees it, sometimes when he sees the double, he doesn't even want to look at the rim. So there are times when things would get stagnant and having Dennis be aggressive is a huge value. Um, but I do think there's a trade-off there. And it's an interesting trade-off because Vogel, throughout the season, you know, when push comes to shove, he tends to favor defense. And I thought that Dennis Schroeder, in his inability to, uh, to really do anything to fight through those screens at the point of attack, um, I thought that that was part of the issue why the, the Lakers had so many defensive breakdowns in the second half. So it's an interesting conundrum because you, you need Dennis um, uh, on the floor to take some of the offensive pressure off of LeBron and AD, but he's just not as good as a defensive player 
than when the Lakers go to like a Caruso KCP type of backcourt. You know what I mean? And so, and again, we don't, we don't have the answers. And that's, what's interesting to me is I, I'm, I'm interested to see what Frank does because there's so many different things he could do. And, you know, maybe, maybe it's not switching. Maybe it's putting AD in the screening action and having him do a traditional drop coverage, but just because he's faster and more mobile and just a better defensive player, maybe, maybe it just works better. I don't know. Uh, I'm really interested to see what they do, but I thought, I thought that was the interesting conundrum of the Dennis Schroeder experience was he was kind of a lifeline for them in the def- uh, on the offensive end in the second half. But I thought he was also the, one of the primary culprits uh, for them falling apart in pick and roll defense. Yeah. He, he's a little small for Devin Booker, right? Like they match up with him. Um, he's mm-hmm. a little small for him, but he fights, he, uh, but he gets hit on screens a lot too. And it, it really freed up Booker um, in that third quarter. But yeah, they needed his offense. They needed another ball handler. Um, I think they ran a lineup. I forgot what it was. Um, they also had THT out there, which I guess we didn't really talk about, but that was, that was weird, his minutes as well. Um, but they had a lineup out there. I think it was with AD, um, AD at the five, with, and I forgot who else was out there, but there was no ball handler out there. They had to kind of call a timeout, and I thought he was huge with that, allowing them to not just have to have LeBron bring it up every time. And that's a huge we, – we talked about this all year. Like, that's going to be huge in the playoffs, and it was tonight. Like, just having him to be able to create – create his own shot. They needed every single point out of that. They only scored, I think, what, like 100, 109, 109 tonight. So they needed his points. He had a, let's see what he finished with. Yeah, he finished with 24. So he was he was huge. Um, I guess the other guy like, we can really move on to is Andre Drummond, uh, who seems to be the main the main character every single night. Um, I thought he had, I thought he had a really good game. What'd you, what'd you see from Andre Drummond? I thought he was fantastic. Um, really throughout the game, you know, his... You know, we always say that Andre Drummond is a good play, bad play guy, right? It's kind of the joke that we like to make. And uh, the truth is, is tonight it was good play, good play, good play, good play, bad guy. You know, bad play. Sorry, butchered that. But you get the point. Like, he just, he made a lot of uh, of good plays. And so the bad yeah. plays were a lot easier to stomach. Like, when Andre Drummond gets beat, uh, um, beat to his spot when he's trying to make a post move, and then he turns to face the basket and he holds the ball at his waist, and every single time it gets snatched away from him, that's frustrating. But those were the those plays were in the minority today. I thought he was excellent on the defensive end. I thought he grabbed a bunch of key rebounds on contested rebound type of plays where it could have gone either way. Um, I thought that offensively he did a really nice job on a couple of like those you know duck ins and seals underneath the basket, and and he's starting to generate a little bit of chemistry with LeBron. That all works. You know, if it were up to me, uh, you know, it would be kind of staggering him with Anthony Davis. I'd play him, you know, 15 to 20 minutes and I'd basically have him be the five when AD's off the floor. Then I'd have a handful of minutes a game where you play both bigs, maybe in the minutes when LeBron's not out there where you're just hoping to physically dominate them because you know you're not going to be able to score. I don't know what that looks like, but, you know, this today was a good, a good Andre Drummond game. And, uh, and for the most part, I, he was, he had his moments in game one where he was okay too. He's just a little bit less, uh, that balance wasn't really there for him where, where his productivity was high. But I, I thought Drummond was great. I'm sure you feel the same way. Yeah, he was, he was awesome. His, uh, his physicality, I thought was really important in this game. Um, he really tried to match up with, uh, DeAndre and he got 12 rebounds. I think a lot of them are offensive, <clears throat> a bunch of offensive rebounds. And he, he was finishing, uh, down low. I know we always talk about he has a lot of loud mistakes, a lot of loud misses. He had a few again tonight, a couple like botched balls where he tried to catch it and it just falls out of bounds. But I thought he was really good. Uh, he really finished down low, finished some passes from LeBron, cut at the right time. 
uh, was pretty much like fell, fell into the scheme that they were trying to run. I thought he did a nice job kind of stepping up on Booker and uh, being in the right possessions where he was supposed to be on defense. Um, so, yeah, I thought he had a, he had a, he had a really good game. Um, I guess like the other guy that's really important here is Marcus Hall. We've been begging for Marcus Hall minutes, right? And, uh, and we, and we finally got him. And I thought it was nice to have both of them there. Uh, Trez kind of got cut out the rotation. But uh, what did you see from Marcus Hall uh, from tonight? Well, offensively, the, the, the impact was immediate. I mean, I think it was their mm-hmm. first, I think it was their first possession, like late second quarter where, or what late first quarter, excuse me, where uh, he immediately went to a LeBron James post up and they put Marcus Hall one pass away, which is my favorite thing that they do with him because. If he doesn't take a three, he can make a quick decision up there. Uh, and he's such a good passer that he's like the ideal guy to be making that second read off of a LeBron uh, double team. Um, uh, and he made a three immediately and kind of freed things up. There were a couple of moments where I thought he was overpassing. Uh, specifically, there was one in the in the fourth quarter where he caught the ball wide open at the top of the key with two seconds on the shot clock and should have taken a three and then swung it to Caruso and it was a shot clock violation. Um, where that's like mm-hmm. classic Marcus all like being a little too passive. Uh, the, 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 he, you know, Marcus all always unlocks this like backdoor cut part of the, the Laker offense. Uh, but you know, clearly Monty Williams has coached the hell out of those guys because they weren't giving up any of the backdoor stuff, uh, to the Lakers. And they were trying, like they would, <laughs> they'd give the ball to Mark at the top of the key or at the elbow and LeBron would do a hard V cut or any of these other guys would do these hard cuts and just nothing was open. Uh, so credit to Monty Williams. Like that was, again, I'm going to reiterate this. The, the, the biggest takeaway I had from this game is like the Suns are an extremely well-coached team that plays their ass off has guys that can make plays and they like, you're going to have to beat them. They're not just going to roll over. It's going to be a lot like the Denver Nuggets series last year, in my opinion. But again, and and we mentioned this earlier, the only downside with Mark was uh, on the defensive end. I thought his lack of foot speed was a little bit of a problem. He made some defensive plays, uh, but in general, like that, when you when you're doing some sort of catch hedge or drop coverage, and you still get beat to the basket, it's like the mother of all defensive breakdowns because now you've got two guys on the guy who had the ball, but he no longer has the ball because he's kicking it out to somebody. So you're you're trying to cover too much ground in your rotations, and you're just inevitably going to give up an open shot. So again, I'm not sure if this is necessarily the series for him because of how much pick and roll he's going to have to guard. Uh, uh, I like him better if Denver advances and he's in the next round. Um, uh, but it, it's unquestionable what he does for them offensively just by keeping the floor a little bit more spaced. And he had the biggest shot of the game, in my opinion. Like when Phoenix went up two, I think on the oh, eight yeah. put back it was, and nobody mm-hmm. wanted to shoot, right? It felt like nobody wanted to take a shot. The ball swung around, Sunder swung around, and finally went to Mark. And he, <laughs> he kind of set his feet for a few seconds and hit that huge three to put him up one. And, yeah, the spacing he gives, uh, I thought was great. Again, he got beat off the dribble a few times on defense, but I think you live with that. Um, his his smarts, his IQ next to LeBron, I think, really showed off. And uh, he did a nice job on defense as well. I don't think, uh, even though he just got beat a few times, I thought he was in the right place, um, and he was connected with the team. So, uh, yeah, I love that he, he played tonight. We'll see if it continues in game three, right? You never know how the, how the rotations go, but uh, I feel like he proved that he should be out there. There's no way he should be collecting uh, – DMPs um, in, in playoff games. Like, he should be the one playing. We, we touched on this a lot. Like, he should be the one out there. Uh, if you want to take away minutes from someone, it's Trez and Drummond, but uh, this all should be out there. Um, well, what are you looking forward to uh, in Game 3 the most? Like, what are you, what are you looking forward to see? What adjustment maybe uh, is the most most important thing you want to see? 
So a couple things. So first of all, like uh, I would expect to see a lot of Chris Paul in game in game three. I thought, uh, you know, I thought Reggie Miller was flapping off at the mouth without really knowing what he was talking about, um, uh, about the Chris Paul injury. And that kind of bothered me because like, don't get me wrong. Chris Paul is hurt. He's clearly having some stuff with range of motion with his shoulder. But I thought the primary reason why Chris Paul sat out a lot in the second half was because campaign yeah. was literally going nuclear and campaign is small. And, you know, I, like as I was watching the game, there was a moment like I think nine minutes left in the fourth quarter where Chris Paul checked back in. And I was like, ooh, this will be interesting because if they check Chris Paul back in this game and they leave campaign in, uh, uh, they're going to have a massive problem with rebounding. And if they take campaign out, you know, even with Chris Paul at his absolute peak, you know, like the campaign's just having an all timer type of role player game. Like you're just, like, he's just like, it'd be like subbing Mario Chalmers that Chalmers out in his 25 put it, uh, point NBA finals game. Like sometimes when the role player is that hot, you got to ride him. You know what I mean? So that was the, the, the interesting dynamic there. And guess what? They left them both in and immediately uh, they started giving up offensive rebounds and fouls. And Anthony Davis got to the line a couple of times. And if you watch those plays, the Lakers would put them in screen and roll and, uh, uh, you know, Aiton would get switched out and put on the perimeter against somebody. And then guess what? You've got campaign and Chris Paul trying to box out gigantic guys underneath the basket and they're giving up offensive rebounds. So I would expect a lot more Chris Paul in game three, just by virtue of the fact that, you know, they're not going to bank on campaign playing the way uh, that he did tonight. I thought that was more of a, of an in-game adjustment. Um, I also think Frank Vogel is going to have something for that screen and roll. I don't know what it is, uh, but he's going to have something for that screen and roll. I also expect role players to make shots. This is something for the Lakers. This is something you and I have talked about at length. When, when the Lakers, uh, when the role players play poorly, like they did tonight, but LeBron and AD are great, they win. They just win yeah. by a small margin. And then when LeBron and AD play great and the role players play okay, they win by like 15. And then when LeBron and AD play great and the role players play great, the Lakers are just going to beat the shit out of you. Like that's, that, that's, you know, game six of the NBA finals kind of stuff. So tonight was one of the examples where the role players like Kuzma had another pretty bad game. I mean, everyone was a lot better defensively, but Kuzma couldn't shoot. KCP couldn't shoot. Wesley Matthews got a couple open looks, couldn't make them. You know, Caruso wasn't really making threes, although he made a couple of big offensive plays. Uh, uh, you know, where he got into the, like, that, little, that little like driving fadeaway he made in the quarter was unbelievable. Uh, you know, but for the most part, the Laker role players didn't have a fantastic, you know, uh, perform like performance on offense, but it was enough for them to win. And so what I look forward to and what, what the Lakers are going to need in, in game three and four is inevitably you're going to get, you know, a, laxada- a lackadaisical defensive performance in there somewhere, probably if they go up two games to one. You're going to need the role players to make shots uh, to compensate for that. And I think they will. Um, But that's going to be the big thing that I'm watching. The other thing I'm going to watch is the crowd. I'm really interested to see how many people Los Angeles lets into the arena um, because that Phoenix crowd was something else. And as we just saw, the Clippers got housed twice at home by the Mavericks (laughs) and they looked flat. And I, I, you know, probably most of that is probably Clippers itis, uh, but a good portion of that probably has to do with the fact that they don't have that raucous crowd to kind of drive them, you know, because I, I think they were only letting like 4,000 fans in. I'm not, I can't remember the exact number. So I'm really interested to see 
how many fans uh, uh, LA lets in and to see if, if the Lakers can ride that. Cause going, going back to Phoenix up three, one, I think is, is very, very important uh, because with Laker, with the Lakers health issues, I would not want to get into a long series in, in the first round. Yeah, every single every single uh, playoff game feels like it's like five regular season games, right? I always talk about this this team really needs continuity and chemistry, and it feels like every game they kind of build that, and that's why I'm seeing game three just a continued build, um, and to see Anthony Davis continue to be aggressive early. I don't know if he'll shoot 16 free throws again, but hopefully his jumper starts to go. But you can tell they get a little bit more comfortable every game, and that's all I want to see really in game three. Um, they should be able to ride the whatever fans are in there, whatever home crowd is in there. They should be able to ride that, hopefully to a win. And you're right, role players hit shots at home, and they should they should, they should, should hit shots when we go back to Staples. Um, KCP, Kuzma, they uh, they did that for his two straight games, not hitting a shot. I don't think Kuzma hit a shot in game one either. They can't do that at Staples. I think Phoenix is a good enough road team that they'll make you pay eventually. You can ride the run in AD like this, but they need a little bit of help. Right, you can't be shooting thirty percent from three. I think that's even worse if you take out what LeBron made from three. Um, they're probably like twenty five percent or something for the rest of the team. Like that's just not sustainable winning basketball. Phoenix is too good. Uh, they'll eventually win those possessions. And yeah, a lot of Chris Paul is probably coming. Like Chris Paul is a huge part of the team. Obviously, they missed him. I'm sure they're going back and thinking if we had Chris Paul, we'd probably win tonight. Um, I think that's a fair kind of assessment from them. And uh, yeah, we'll see if he's healthy, if he's ready to go. Um, and Devin Booker, I bet, will be a lot more aggressive. And he was tonight. And Monty's a really good coach. Like he's gonna have them ready. So that's just I want to see what they do. And hopefully Marcus Hall continues to play. Um, do you have anything else from uh, from this game and the one coming? Yeah, I mean, you know, Chris Paul is the kind of player that offsets some of LeBron's mental advantage. Um, I, what I mean by that is I'm so used to rooting for LeBron teams, and they're always the smarter and more prepared team later in the series. Because they have, you know, arguably the smartest player in the league on their team. Well, you know, Chris Paul is right up there in the top two or three smartest players in the league. So I, I expect, you know, the, the the Suns to continue to make adjustments and continue to find ways to to score against this Laker defense. And it'll be a really it'll be a really really interesting a really really interesting chess match. Um, the other big thing too to see is, you know, like you mentioned, if if Anthony Davis can get some more of his intricate levels of his offense going because that's something that they're absolutely going to need in my opinion uh in the long run as they face better teams but you know that's pretty much it i'm trying to think if there's anything else um from tonight I'm look, peek at my notes really quick go ahead yeah i think the last thing was just those huge shots from lebron like i think uh i tweeted don't take lebron for granted and i think you tweeted that you told your wife you would know that lebron's gonna win that one um but just crazy to see him continue to do that um, he had a huge three, a huge fadeaway jumper where I'm not sure he had both his legs under him, but it, it went in. They were down one, I think, and he hit that over Cam Johnson. Just huge baskets, just playoff LeBron. Like he, I always said, I'm not going to worry about LeBron. I guess I was right with that. But uh, he did seem like he was a little passive in the fourth, but once once it came down to it, um, he had some big shots. So uh, credit to him, credit to him for doing that so consistently throughout the years. But it, it was cool to see him, see him do it again tonight because they needed it. Yeah, it was so funny because, you know, campaign makes that ridiculous jab step jumper. I think it was over Caruso and the the, the top of the building just blows off. It hits. Yeah, it hits none of the rim, just literally snaps the net. And he it just kind of caps the whole cam, John, or the, the whole campaign night of, the, of this greatest night of his life uh, kind of performance. Uh, I think it was actually Monty who called the timeout, if I remember correctly. Um, 
I, but there, there was a timeout right there. And in that timeout, I, I looked over and I was like, yeah, like throughout his career, he just kind of finds a way to win these games, you know? And, and it wasn't just 86, 86. It was 86, 86 with them having all the momentum, uh, the Suns. And, and, you know, and, and LeBron and, and the rest of those guys, they just picked them apart at the end of the game, made smart basketball plays. You know, like you said, there was that huge shot that Marcus all hit, uh, Anthony Davis hit a big three. And then that shot against Cam Johnson, you know, he went to post him up. Um, and this, this is something that Jason Maples tweeted out. And I actually thought it was interesting, you know, like on that play, he couldn't get much separation. Like he, he, he drove baseline, got beat to the spot. Um, turned, took a couple of power dribbles into the paint, wasn't really backing Cam Johnson down much. And I think a big part of that is he's just not pushing off super well on that leg. And then on that fadeaway, he didn't get great lift. It was a lot of arm and wrist on that shot, but, but he just, he just nailed it. And, and, you know, like, like, like Maple said in his tweet, there was a lot of LeBron getting, getting by on his brain and getting by on his experience at the end of that game. And for the record, like I said in the tweet, you know, like (laughs) this is just, this is why, this is one of the biggest reasons why I've, I've, I've always advocated for LeBron over the years. Like this is just what it's like rooting for him. Like he just, he just finds a way all the time and he is such a winner. And that's why it always drove me so insane when his detractors would claim that he doesn't care about winning or they use his finals record to try to say that he's a loser or they act like it's lower on his, his list of priorities. No, no, no. Like above all, above and above, uh, beyond all else about this guy, he is a winner. That's what he does. He has, an, he has an innate ability. Sometimes it's hard to really describe, but it just, it just, he knows how to win basketball games. And, and generally speaking, he's going to win all the important ones. And, and uh, I think that, is kind of part of the experience. And, you know, obviously I'm sure Laker fans are very excited to have him on their team. Yeah. It was cool seeing him like just chill through the, through the game. Like even though we were down one, it, it never seemed like he was rattled. Like he was still just trying to make the right play. um, trying to pass it off kind of, and he got kind of trying to give the ball to KCP, get him shots while like a game is in balance right now. I'm over here shaking and eventually he pulls it out. So it was cool to see him kind of win the game. Uh, I think you're right. He won it with his mind more than like his athleticism. He wasn't really getting, to the basket, like zooming fadeaways over Cam Johnson, which I just don't think he does if he's if he's feeling great. And I think that was still with AD at the five. So hopefully, like these few days, it's weird. The Lakers play every other day, so I guess they play again on Thursday. They don't get a two day break in between. But uh, hopefully, he's feeling even more better. I think he's getting his conditioning back as well um, as these games go on. So yeah, looking forward to Game Three. Um, what do you see them? Do you see them winning Game Three? Is your prediction? See you um, game I think. I think the Lakers in five. So a couple of things, if you remember, I, I actually, I didn't get a chance because I was out of town to, to listen back to our post game show after the Warriors. Um, but when I was driving back from, uh, from Texas yesterday, I listened to it. And there were a couple of things that stood out to me that we talked about that were interesting. Uh, for, for, not the least of which was the fact that we all just assumed the Warriors would beat the Grizzlies, which obviously did not happen. Um, uh, but we talked, we talked a lot about how like, you know, uh, I, I specifically in my pick said that I picked the Lakers in five and I said they'd either lose game one or game three. And so I, they, they lost game one. And so my pick, obviously, is that they'll win game three and four. I think there's two days off between game four and game five, if I remember correctly. So then they have an opportunity, they have an opportunity to go home, for, go back to Phoenix for game five, beat them, 
and then have some time off uh, before they face, you know, uh, the, the winner of Denver, Portland. But the things that we talked about was like, I said, you know, the, uh, the, uh, some of the coverages that they took from the Warriors, they may have to use those against some of these Phoenix Suns guards when they get going. So this was kind of a nice tune-up game. And well, that very well may be the case here uh, in game three or four. The Lakers may have to start trapping some of these pick and rolls because of how much they're getting picked apart uh, by campaign and by, and by Chris Paul. Chris Paul was unbelievable in the first half in pick and roll, by the way. Um, so that, that was, the, the, that was one of the things I said, there was another thing where I'd mentioned that, <clears throat> um, that if Devin Booker went absolutely surgical, like Kobe, that it, it would be a, a wrinkle in the series that could go in Phoenix's favor. And I would say that he has, um, that, that stretch that he had there in the, uh, in the third quarter. And then pretty much all of game one, you know, the Lakers were just playing fantastic defense and it just wasn't enough because, Devin Booker, Booker was giving you lefty little push shots. He was giving you little 10 foot runners in the lane. He was in transition, Euro step, one leg fade away, you know, threes off the dribble. He's just giving you everything. And so uh, that, that, that was definitely something that, you know, uh, could have gone either way. Like Devin Booker could have had a rough first playoff series, but he's very much um, every bit as good as he is in the regular season, which uh, is an interesting wrinkle to the series, but it was fun just going back and listening to that podcast and, and looking at all the things you and I were going to be looking for. And, and, yeah. and guess what? The, it, some things have gone in the sun's favor, but the Lakers are still one, one and heading back to, to LA. That's a pretty good spot for them to be in. Yeah. I think that's the biggest adjustment. Phoenix. Uh, I think they'll know now that the Lakers are going to sell out. I'm Devin Booker and see what they'll do. I'm in game three. I think, I think they'll bring it, bring uh, the right adjustments. And then uh, that's what's fun about the playoffs. It's like an adjustment to the adjustment to the adjustment. And uh, no one has done that more than LeBron. Uh, LeBron and AD got AD got some of that last year. We'll see how Devin Booker kind of handles that. This is his first playoffs, um, but yeah, I think Chris Paul will be ready. Um, those dude, that team is good, and they're gonna be well. Pre- they're well prepared, and their young guys aren't don't look like they're scared of the moment at all. So it'll be it'll be a fun series, and it could be worse. It could be the watching the Clippers highlights right now, and man, that just that team just looks absolutely down, <laughs> absolutely just depressed after that loss. Um, so uh, yeah, it's gonna it should be fun. It should be a fun game three. Uh, yep. I agree. Why don't we get to, why don't we do, why don't we do four callers and then let's call it a night since it's so late. Let's, all right. Let's see what we have. Uh, I think George was first. Hi. Hello. Y'all can hear me? Uh, hey, how's it going, man? I was going on, man. All right, so quick question. I wanted to ask, because I heard you guys talking about Drummond earlier, so I was curious, do you think that that can work moving forward, or would you guys rather go with, like, Trez and Marcus Gasol? Go ahead, Rush. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. So I definitely think it can be, it can move, it can go moving forward, and I think it will. Um, I think Drummond will continue to start. I always said, like, I think the guy that should be in the rotation is Marcus Gasol, but if he wants to play Drummond, I think it's fine. I think he fits for this series. I think he's a pretty good matchup for Aiden. At least he should be, like his physicality. And uh, I think he can move his feet uh, on screens. So he gets beat sometimes, but it definitely can work. He had a nice impact tonight. And I think me and Jason talked about it. He's, he, was, he, had a, he had an okay game one as well. I didn't think that that was his fault. So uh, yeah, I, think it can, I think it definitely can, can continue. Okay, okay, okay. Jason, what you think? 
Yeah, so I actually like Montrez in this specific matchup. And, you know, I like him better defensively than Mark because he's more mobile and because it gives them a little bit more flexibility to do things like trap and rotate and recover. The trick is, is obviously he's a non-shooter. So how do you weigh that out? And I think, I think the thing with the Lakers that puts them into trouble is when they play Anthony Davis, who prefers to post up and isn't a great surgical passer with a guy who's in the dunker spot that clogs everything up. And for the record, the AD Montrez minutes uh, at the end of the first quarter in game one were really where the wheels came off. Because uh, I think it was I think it was tied when when Drummond was in there, so the, the, mm-hmm. that's kind of the interesting conundrum. Because like I would play Trez with LeBron while AD's off the floor because right. he's a good pick and roll guy to have with LeBron because he's super mobile on the defensive end um, and, and he's just a little bit better at, at some of the stuff that Mark got torched by today. Um, but I just don't think it makes sense to play Trez with Anthony Davis because AD's not a great passer, so he's not going to see the double teams and see the gaps in the defense super, super well. And, and it shuts down his driving lanes and takes away his physical aggressiveness. Um, so it's, it's a conundrum, but I mean, at the end of the day, like, like it, it's just about which guys you play with, which guys, you know, like it, it, it's, it, there's, there's mixes that work and there's mixes that clearly don't. Okay. Uh, last question before you guys are past the mic. Do you feel like we're going to go all out on Devin Booker in game three, or do you think it's going to be more of a, help assignment type of thing. Yeah, I still think they'll go out all out on Devin Booker. I think he's the main one that they want to focus on, try to keep his scoring limited. But it depends if Chris Paul is going off too, then it makes that tough. I mean, that's what's tough about Phoenix. Like if Phoenix, it's hard to trap Devin Booker, and then you have Chris Paul, one of the best pick and roll passers ever, kind of uh, orchestrating after that. But I think they'll live if they can make Mikel Bridges, guys like Cam Johnson, um, make them the shot creators. I think they'll live with that. Even Aiden, if he has to get post-ups and stuff like that, I think they'll live. So I think they're still going to sell out on Booker and try to make everyone else kind of beat them with scoring. What do you think, Jason? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm less convinced that they'll double Booker than that they'll double uh, the campaign and Chris Paul actions um, because that was where they were primarily getting beat today. I thought just in general, KCP did a much, much better job on Booker today than he did in the last game. Yeah. Um, and just in general, the five man unit, it's, it's again, it's never just one guy on one guy. It's always the way the five man unit works and the five man defensive unit cohesively tonight was so much better than it was in game one. And that in conjunction with KCP doing a better job on the ball, just did a better job on Booker. The problem with doubling Booker is he does a lot of isolation action mixed in with his pick and roll action. And doubling a guy in isolation is so much harder because it compromises your defense more than doubling a guy in pick and roll. Because when you double a guy in pick yeah. and roll, there's that split second there where the other offensive player is right there next to you. So he doesn't have an advantage yet. So the the, the ball handle has to always throw some crazy looping pass or some perfect pocket pass to get to that other guy. So it's a little bit easier to recover. The The, the Lakers got torched in game one at the beginning of the game by sending open court, like nobody else around double teams at Devin Booker. And it led to a bunch of open shots. So I tend to think that you, you keep going with the same coverage that you used on Booker tonight. And then you, you, if you're going to trap or you're going to do some extensive double teaming, you do it on that screen and roll action, which is the one that gave them the most problems. 
Yep. All right, man. Thanks. I, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna pass the mic. I appreciate thank, y'all for having me. Thank on. Thank you for hopping on, man. Yeah. We really appreciate it. Thank you, man. Bye, man. All right, we got uh, Sally next. So I guess connecting. That's the, I think that's the only request left I have. Okay, cool. Point. That's fine. We've already been going almost an hour anyway. <laughs> yeah. And then these will be up for the podcast as well for everyone. Yep. Uh, coming to after. I'll put the podcast version up directly after, and then Raj and I will be going again on Thursday. Yep, and uh, it doesn't look like it's connecting. Um, let's, let's try this again. Oh, looks like it, it went off. Okay. Uh, yeah, I don't, um, I don't anything anything else you wanted to have today? Uh, I think I think that pretty much covered it. Um, yeah, I'm not sure what else there is. Uh, looking forward to a good game three. And then uh, go and watch these uh, Clippers Mavericks <laughs> highlights um, and see see what happened there. All right, everybody, thank you guys so much for coming to hang out with Raj and I uh, for the post game show. Like I said, podcast will be out here shortly, and then we'll be going again after Game Three on Thursday, which will hopefully be a Laker win in front of a very large uh, Laker crowd. But we will see what happens. Thank you guys so much, and we will see you on Thursday.